0: Hello, Crime Lab. I'm your host, Jessica Garcia. Welcome, welcome, welcome back for another episode of Crime Lab. I'm so excited to be here. I have a really special case for you today. And it took me a minute to realize that I wanted to report on this case to you guys because it's a brand new case. It's ongoing and it's actually picking up a lot of momentum right now. But I figured that this is the perfect opportunity to show you guys the power of podcasting because this is why I wanted to podcast. I wanted to bring awareness to cases that are ongoing and giving it a platform and giving these families, the community's involvement behind them and getting their cases solved. Because a lot of cases go cold Because the momentum just drops. People stop talking about it. Little effort is being done behind the scenes because new leads aren't coming in and it's just not going anywhere. But this case right here is the perfect example of where community involvement is so very important. Because police departments, of course, are there to help the community. But they can only do so much with the resources that they have. This case that I am going to tell you about is based out of Chula Vista, California. And to show you a little background behind the Chula Vista Police Department, on April 20th, the Chula Vista City Council had a meeting and the chief of police, Roxana Kennedy was there, and she was speaking on different matters, but she mentioned these very interesting, mind-boggling facts that I just want to put out there. I quote, Violent crimes is up 21% this year in Chula Vista. That includes things like a 52% increase in armed robberies, a 21% increase in aggravated assault, and a murder rate that has more than doubled our average, she said. The department is the lowest staffed law enforcement agency in the county. It's safe to say that the Chula Vista Police Department is severely understaffed, and this is in no way me trying to bash this police department. This is just simply me bringing awareness that they're going to do the best that they can with the resources and the manpower that they have. But they have so many cases coming in. And I looked it up. According to their website, they have about, compared to the police and uh, citizens ratio, there's about one police officer to every thousand citizens. Can you imagine one for every thousand and then I also read in a 2018 article on voicesandiego.org, they reported that there is a backlog of more than 100 violent crimes investigations that they can't get to because they just don't have enough detectives to work these cases. And that's just the reality of it. And this is where the community coming forward The thousands of members, a part of their Facebook pages this case has, they are rallying behind this family and they want to see justice for this case. It seems like an open and closed book case and the community is like, hey, we're here to stay and we're going to see this case through because this victim has touched everybody so very much. This family has touched us so very much. I've had the opportunity to help alongside this family in search efforts. And I can tell you, they are not going to stop until they bring their family member back home. And it's clear and we've witnessed that we can make a change in large numbers. We just need to rally behind and make sure it's done. The police cannot go out and do these dozen searches. They just don't have enough people to go literally out in the deserts and out in these hills and these mountains and these ravines and rivers and lakes. Like, there's just not enough of them to go out there and do these searches. And you know what? That's, that's okay. Let the community, these the community members that want to come behind and help and do these search efforts to be able to produce... The information that the police need right offhand, like, hey, we found this clue and it's here at this location. These coordinates go pick it up. It's just like, we're there to help. And every community should be like that. Why are we not all making sure that we're looking out for each other when things aren't going good in cases like this? But that's just my take on on what I want you guys to take away from this case. And I hope to bring more updates as it goes forward. But in the meantime, sit back and I'm here to tell you about the case of Maya Meliette. Today's episode of Crime Lab, the ongoing case of Filipino-American Maya Milliet, who vanished from her home in San Diego on January 7th, 2021. If you or anyone that you know has information on Maya's whereabouts, then please contact the Chula Vista Police Department at 619-691-5139 or... The San Diego Crime Stoppers anonymous tip line at 888 580 8477. Originally from the Philippines, 40 year old Maya Mangalaman Talabanza Miliyet, or May for short, is a resident of San Diego, California. More specifically, she lives in Paseos Los Gatos in the city of Chula Vista, which is situated relatively near 32nd Naval Station Street, where she worked as a contract specialist. Now, this is also about 10 miles away from the Mexico border, just so you can get a feel for where she lived. Despite her busy schedule, May still managed to spend a lot of time with her kids. Her first two daughters are aged 11 and 9, respectively, while her son is only 4 years old. May married her husband, Larry, in 1999, when they were both just 18 years old. They were in high school together and got married after graduation. Shortly after, they moved around California before settling in Chula Vista. Their marriage, however, was far from ideal. Sometime in 2020, Larry reportedly sent hundreds of text messages to friends and family members to complain about his wife. He accused May of having an affair, even going so far as to getting in touch with her supervisor at work, demanding that they reassign her male co-workers. In a text message sent on June 28th, 2020, Larry quoted a Bible verse from Proverbs. It's 5-3-13, which includes phrases like, The lips of the adulterous women drip honey, and her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. A few months later, on September 16th, he again sent another text message. This time, it was a picture of what appeared to be an altar. Um, as if that wasn't creepy enough, though, it also contained a photo of him and May, which was surrounded by candles and covered in droplets droplets of what seemed to be blood. Many of these bizarre messages were sent to his wife's relatives as well. For instance, among those whom Larry frequently reached out to was his brother-in-law, Richard Droulette, who is married to May's eldest sister, Mary Chris. They were often forced to intervene in the marital issues that the couples were facing this past year. Although it was neither welcome nor well received whenever they try to give Larry any type of advice. In an interview with Fox News, Richard claimed that Larry, quote, was more of an aggressor. He was trying to get them involved. He was trying to get them on his side. And when we felt like it was more of lies that he was telling us, end quote. He further claimed that Larry had reached out to him in the summer of 2020 to ask for advice about his marriage. He reportedly asked Richard and Richard claims that Larry sounded extremely desperate during this time when he called, repeatedly saying he was claiming that the problems that they were going through were entirely May's fault. So the Droulettes stated that in the past year, They seen the couple going through endless cycles of quarreling and reconciling and they even admitted it was upsetting to witness these fights between Larry and May. And nothing was more unnerving to witness than Larry's reactions, they said. According to Richard, I quote, They argued a lot and it was a little bit uncomfortable. It was weird because... Larry was just acting different. He wasn't acting like Larry. He was acting different. They were done. The relationship was done. You could just tell." End quote. Larry wasn't the only one who had given up on their marriage. May was also reportedly having second thoughts about their 21-year relationship and had even scheduled an appointment with a local divorce lawyer. She booked the meeting for January 12th, which would have been a mere three days after their family trip to Big Bear Lake in San Bernardino County, where they were planning to celebrate her eldest daughter's birthday. She even borrowed $10,000 from her sister, Mary Chris, for the application process and the fees that the divorce proceedings would have. It was later reported that May had sought advice from a Facebook group as well, writing, quote, asking for a friend. Has anyone used to have gone through the services of Collaborative Practice San Diego for Divorce? Looking for insights, positive or negative aspect, end quote. For the moderator of the community, though, it seemed as if May had been so desperate to remain anonymous that she had resorted to claiming her inquiry was made on behalf of a friend. But unfortunately for May, she would never make it to her daughter's birthday celebration or her appointment with the divorce lawyer. On Thursday, January 7th, 2021, the same day that she scheduled the appointment with the divorce attorney, Maya Millet vanished without a trace from her home in Paseos Los Gatos. She was last seen by her family at around 5 p.m. that day, with Larry reportedly being the last person known to have interacted with her. The next few days saw May's family desperately trying to get a hold of her. However, every single one of their text messages and phone calls went unanswered. After no sign of her the entire day, they finally admitted defeat and on January 9th at 1118 p.m., Mary Chris placed a call to the Chula Vista Police Department to report her sister missing. It didn't take long for police officers to arrive at 2400 Paseos Los Gatos to investigate May's disappearance. At around 1 a.m. on January 10th, they began interviewing her friends and family members, all of whom stated that their phone calls for the past three days had been going straight to voicemail. Note, this is not like May at all. Reminder, She disappeared on January 7th, a Thursday. That was the last time Larry claimed to have seen her. And she was preparing for her daughter's birthday celebration That coming weekend, the next day, their entire family was going to go up to Big Bear. It's a, a ski resort. And... May and the family were in communication on Thursday going back and forth in a group chat discussing details about this this trip that they were about to take and May just fell off the grid she just stopped responding to messages she was no longer on Facebook anymore and that is not like her her family said she's very active on social media she's always posting and keeping them up to date. I mean, she was planning this party. Anybody that knows, anybody that has kids, if you're planning for a birthday celebration that weekend, the next day, you have a lot going on and nobody can just fall off the grid in the middle of that. But May did. She, no contact after that. When word spread about May's disappearance, the community immediately took action. She was described as a five-foot, two-inch Filipino-American weighing 105 pounds with brown hair, brown eyes, and freckles. She had tattoos of musical notes dotted on her clavicle with a hummingbird inked on her wrist. But despite their best efforts, the community led Numerous search efforts and they produced no results. The police decided to investigate the case from another angle and on January 23rd, managed to obtain a search warrant for May's home. When interviewed by press, Lieutenant Miriam Fox of the Criminal Investigation Division was cited as saying, quote, The focus of the search warrant is to locate any evidence or any clues as to her whereabouts. Obviously, we're concerned that she is still missing. I can't give any details to the investigation, but I will say we've been actively investigating this case, and we're at the point now where we're trying to get as much evidence and any clues as possible to find where May is. end quote." This statement was made in response to escalating whispers that Larry, May's husband, was somehow involved in her disappearance. Many in the community initially thought that the search warrant had been served to allow the police to investigate him. However, their speculations were silent by Lieutenant Fox's claims. As the police searched for clues into May's disappearance, her family held public visuals and posted flyers all over the neighborhood. The community search efforts also continued, with volunteers combing through the city's Mount San Miguel Park in case Maya, who was outdoorsy and loved hiking, had gone there. These searches amounted to nothing, but May's family persevered with their efforts. They put up billboards all over Chula Vista, all of which were plastered with photos of her, along with a number to call if she was spotted. They also launched a Facebook page called Find May slash Maya Millette to consolidate updates and search efforts alike. An Instagram account with the handle HelpFindMaya was also created. To date, it has amassed a total of 900 followers while the Facebook page has garnered more than 9,000 likes with over 10,000 people religiously following every published post. Due to the lack of leads in the case, many began to suspect that Larry had something to do with May's disappearance. Despite the police saying otherwise, they began to draw comparisons to the Watts family murders, a case that took place in the Frederick, Colorado in August of 2018. This was an incredibly gruesome murder that began with the disappearance of a pregnant 34-year-old woman named Shannon Watts. Her children's four-year-old Bella and three-year-old Celeste had vanished too. The family's patriarch, Christopher, was initially cooperative with the police and even gave several press conferences where he pleaded for the return of his wife and children. However, two days later, he admitted to the police that in a fit of rage, he had actually strangled Shannon to death before smothering their daughters. He had murdered his entire family, including his unborn baby son, whom they had already named Nico Lee. After telling his wife about an affair that he was having with a co-worker called Nicole Kessinger, in his confession, he claimed that Shannon had threatened him that he would never see his kids again after the divorce, which threw him into a fury. For many, the Watts family murders was eerily similar to May's disappearance, especially since Larry had refused to participate in search parties and public vigils That were held in honor of her. This sentiment was further exasperated by her family's interviews where they painted a rather disturbing picture of her marriage. According to one of her family members, she had warned them that her husband would be responsible if anything were to happen to her. She said this days before she disappeared. Meanwhile, Mary Chris Droulette, also shared to the press that her younger sister had gotten into an argument with Larry on January 3rd, a mere four days before her disappearance. This fight was said to have been over a Jeep Wrangler that they had brought with them on a camping trip to the Glamis Sand Dunes to celebrate the new year. According to Mary Chris, quote, He was having more fun than my sister considering it was my sister's Jeep. He wanted to take the Jeep, and he wanted to drive it, and my sister wanted to drive it. So they had been arguing about that, end quote. Mary, Chris's husband, Richard, further noted that the couple could have ridden the Droop Wrangler together, but instead of fighting over who would drive it or not, however, he claimed that the argument was further proof that their marriage was over and would never be salvaged. For him, it also indicated that May no longer wished to reconcile with Larry and was more than ready to start a new chapter in her life, one that was free of him. Mary Chris and Richard weren't the only ones to shed light on May's relationship with her husband, though. Billy Little, a lawyer with the Cold Case Foundation who is currently working with the family, also publicly spoke about his meeting with Larry, who he claimed allowed him to conduct a walkthrough of their home on January 11th. This was just two days after the police report was lodged. In an interview with Fox News, Billy said, quote, "'The windows were all open. The fans were on full blast. It was a little chilly. It looked like he had been cleaning. I talked to him a little bit. I asked if I could see the bedroom. I went up to the bedroom.' That's when I saw the hole in the door, right next to the door handle, end quote. Larry reportedly claimed that the hole had been May's fault. He also gave his own interview to the media. While speaking to Fox 5 San Diego, Larry said that he initially believed that his wife had simply left their home to gather her thoughts and get some alone time especially since they had gotten into an argument the night before. However, he admitted that this scenario was becoming more unlikely as weeks passed without any news or sightings of her. Larry explained to the police that May often needed space to be alone, which is why he and the rest of her family had initially waited before raising the alarm on her disappearance. Missing her own daughter's birthday wasn't in her nature though, and this is what spurred them to finally approach the police. While May's loved ones focused on raising awareness for her disappearance by speaking to the press, the Chula Vista Police Department geared their efforts into finding clues that could cast more light on her disappearance. They noted that her car remained parked in her home at Paseo Los Gatos and that her bank statement showed no activity whatsoever. They also observed that her phone had been going straight to voicemail since the day she vanished. Unfortunately for the authorities, their efforts to locate May have been hampered by Larry, who announced in early February that he had retained a lawyer and would no longer be freely answering any questions about his wife's disappearance. This development was devastating for May's family, with her brother-in-law Richard publicly pleading with Larry to quote, please come and help us find your wife, the woman that you love, the woman that you protected, the woman you promised to protect and love, For your kid's sake, end quote. However, a more recent development has proven to be even more disturbing. According to Inside Edition, a neighbor's surveillance camera reportedly captured six loud bangs on the night that May disappeared. These sounds were said to have sounded a lot like gunfire and were heard around 10 p.m., Reports also came in that it was caught on a neighbor's surveillance camera that Larry's aunt and uncle sped by at around 2.30 a.m. on the morning of May's disappearance or along that time frame that they had sped through the neighborhood and was caught on camera. And mind you, this aunt and uncle lives a mere 15 miles, give or take, from May's home, and a warrant was served to search this aunt and uncle's home. And lots of firearms were recovered, a deep freezer was recovered, because for some reason, the day following May's disappearance, Larry decided to give away their deep freezer to his aunt and uncle. So that search warrant they retrieved what they believed to be that freezer. There's just so much circumstantial evidence behind this case. You have Larry asking the neighbors where he can get his car detailed that very next day after she went missing. He was asking people where he can get gun cleaning material and He said that he took his son that Friday morning out to the beach and that they were gone all day and he left the girls home by themselves or so he assumed they were home doing homeschool with May but that just wasn't the case and there's just a lot of evidence that just doesn't add up in this case and Mary Chris and her husband Richard Even they said they've publicly expressed. Richard, for instance, said, quote, it doesn't add up. They have camera surveillance from all the neighbors. They have over 100 hours to review. And three months later, you're looking at those 100 hours still still reviewing those videos. Something's got to give. End quote. Meanwhile, Billy Little of the Cold Case Foundation also stated that the Chula Vista Police Department rejected his help. But it has also come out since then that the police have finally accepted the FBI's help on this case. And they've also said that the Navy's NCIS is now involved because May is a government employee. And the husband, Larry, is also a civilian Government employee. He works uh, at a naval hospital. I won't get into that. But the Navy is now involved and there's just a lot of coverage going on. You've had Dr. Phil just recently covered her case. Nancy Grace, Grace came forward and covered her case. And May's case is going to make a difference forever. The community is behind the family and we're here to make sure that things that are happening right now during her case won't happen going forward in other cases. So we're here to use her case as a stepping stone to do better. And the community is here. Today is May's birthday. Happy birthday, May's 40 years old. Um, they're having a birthday celebration in honor of her today. I will post that information. But I wanted to release this episode today because it's very important. The family is wants to celebrate May's birthday. And we just want to bring more awareness to this case. And if you live in the area, if you don't live in the area, just spread the word. Repost Join the community Facebook page. I'll put it all up for everybody to join in on this. I'd like to end this episode by sending my well wishes to May's parents. Hang in there. The community is praying for you and your family. I'd also like to end this by reading off what Mary Chris has to say for her sister May. No matter how high those mountains could be, no matter how low those valleys could be, no matter how wide the river could be, we will get to you. We will bring you home. We will not stop. Hashtag, never give up on Maya. Mahal kita Maya. Happy 40th birthday.